whatever goal you have in the pool, um, what you would feel if you reach that goal. And then I always talk about creating like an energetic vision for that. How would you move? How would you carry yourself? How would you talk to yourself? Mm. Um, how would you show up every single day and learning it's like rewiring your brain and your patterns to be that person right now, mm-hmm. every time. Cause then when you get there, it's like your body's already mentally rehearsed that like you actually already are that person. So now you just gotta show up and, and do the thing. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Successful Smitty Podcast. I got a super awesome guest here today. Her name is Nikki Kett. Nikki was a previous collegiate athlete and was a collegiate swim coach for nine years at John Hopkins University, the University of Pennsylvania, and then she finished off at the University of Michigan. She's currently a mindset and a life coach, and she has her master's degree in sports psychology and also a master's degree in organizational dynamics. So, Nikki, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited to chat with you. Awesome. Uh, so yeah, just tell us maybe a little bit more about yourself or anything I missed or just kind of like your journey. Yeah, um, well, that those are the nuts and bolts of the journey. I, I swam in college and then um, it was a really transformational time for me in my life. Um, and I wanted to get into coaching for that reason because I just love the development that it gave me swimming at Kenyon. I I had really supportive coaches. I definitely went through a lot of challenges um, as well, but I, it just ended on such a positive note and I really um, couldn't have hoped for a better experience. And so it made me want to go into collegiate coaching specifically um, just because of that time in your life as a college athlete. And so, yeah, I always saw swimming kind of as this platform to learn about ourselves and learn about life and got to experience coaching at all different levels, Um, started at Johns Hopkins and I coached in the Ivy League and then got to be at the highest level of sport at Michigan um, and work on supporting athletes and their Olympic dreams at world championships. Um, So I got to see it all. And also have really been just interested in human psychology, how we're motivated, um, the energy behind why we do things, and also how culture impacts that. Because I think, you know, when I first started coaching, I was really into just the training aspect and learning how to be a better coach, but then also seeing how the culture, the leadership, empowering people and cultivating that energy was so powerful. Um, And so I got to see like through my academic journey and then also being in those environments at the same time, I just learned a lot. Um, And eventually I was pretty burnt out um, in my own journey as a coach. I just was craving a different lifestyle. I felt like my values were maybe a bit different than at the top level of sport and the way I wanted to live and the way I wanted to lead people. So I decided to start my own business um, 
And I really started just working with women around confidence, but my network was a lot of athletes. And so I started understanding different patterns um, that people had picked up throughout their time in sport. And yeah, now I, I would say I work mostly with athlete-minded women, people that have been in a sport. Um, I don't just support swimmers now, but all different types of elite athletes. And it may not just be you know, right after their journey in sport or in their journey in sport, but at all levels. So people that are in their thirties and forties, um, but, you know, we carry a lot of the similar mindset mentality and that's where I am now. So that's awesome. So what would you say is like the key to building a really good culture? Uh, so, so many things. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I think, I think honesty, integrity with, with the leadership understanding, I think leaders have to really know who they are and how they want to lead and creating a good culture requires being in integrity with that. And even when there's the choice to want to cut corners or to want to win or to want to put pressure on certain things, I think great culture comes back to the leaders embodying their values and really saying, you know what, we're gonna, we're gonna take the long way around. We're gonna do this the hard way. Um, we're gonna make sure we hold people accountable to the same values. And I think it also requires getting other people to buy in not mm -hmm. just it's not just about telling people what to do and kind of I think sometimes that's when we don't have the resources as leaders to have that awareness we could just kind of try to beat people into submission to to mm -hmm. get to a certain place but I think it it takes that level of awareness and then to really like cultivate that energy to get other people to buy in and come along with you and to help them understand why they're there, why, what they mm -hmm. want, um, and how can you connect, you know, your values as a leader when, when the leaders create that for a culture, it's being very transparent about that. I think, you know, it starts with recruiting, like this is who we are. And, um, you also want to make sure when you're recruiting that it's the same as when the athlete gets there. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I think that just takes a lot of self-awareness in leadership to, to be honest about who am I being, understanding we're all imperfect humans. We mess up, we make mistakes. I think that requires us to acknowledge that, the ability to sit in that discomfort and say, you know what, I kind of messed this up and I want to try it differently. Um, but I think that can create great culture, um, mm -hmm. especially just like the vulnerability of, of being human and, mm -hmm. and going through that expansion journey together. Definitely. I guess one thing that I've always struggled with, like, cause I, I've been a team captain on my swim team in the past. And I feel like I always set a really, really good example of like work hard. Like I always show up to practice first, like first one in the pool, stuff like that. But I always had trouble. I feel like getting people to buy in cause like, I guess, like to the all time vision, I guess, of what I was hoping for the team, like what we could become and things like that, because 
not everyone took the sport, at least in my college, as seriously as I did. And so I guess how how do you get people to really buy into the vision, even if they're not so serious about it at first? Yeah. I mean, at our root, we're all selfish humans. And so mm -hmm. I think we have to help other people understand why they're there and realize that you know, not everybody is going to contribute maybe a certain level of performance, but helping them understand, like, what do I love about being here? Why am I on this team? Why do I swim? What, what is my value? What is my role here? And so I think if you can help people tap into that, then the leadership is all about helping them remind them of why they're there, what their vision is and say, you know, remember why you're here, what's in it for you, what do you want to get out of it? And as a leader, like, how can I support you in that? How can I, with love, be be direct and say, you know what, like, these are your goals. This is why you're here. This is what I see, like, your behavior is in alignment with that or not. Mm -hmm. Not as a place of, like, calling people out, but, you know, this is what you want and your actions aren't aligned. Like, how do we how do we support that or what's getting in the way of that? Um, but yeah, I think that can be challenging. And I think there is a lot of pressure in sports. Sometimes people, you know, they've just been doing, especially with swimming, it's like we've been doing it forever. And mm -hmm. so it's easy to lose sight of why we're doing it or we feel pressure that we have to be doing it from parents or peers, or it's just something we've always done. So just, I think it's okay to, to ask those questions. And, you know, when, when I coached in division three, it was a bit, um, you know, we created powerful culture because we really made it okay for people to not be there if they weren't, mm -hmm. if their values weren't aligned with the, the team values. Um, mm -hmm. and so I think sometimes we, you have to be okay with, you know, deciding that people aren't right for the culture um, and helping them make that decision. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. Cause yeah, not everyone's going to fit into the, like, yeah, not everyone's going to fit into the ideal like culture. Like you can't, if you're a good team, you know, you don't just want anybody on that team, you know, you have to find the right people. And even like in any sport, like let's just say basketball, for example, with like Michael Jordan, and he had Scottie Pippen by his side, and then eventually he picked up Dennis Rodman. Like, if he didn't have those guys, like let's say he got somebody else, he may not have achieved quite as much as he did because the culture may not have been there. Like, he didn't have that chemistry with them. Yeah, totally. It's going back to the idea of, like, taking the long way around, and I think we in our society today get really, like, caught up on the quick hits of dopamine and – Mm -hmm. and wanting to win and sometimes that can get in the way of culture and you know you see people making very quick decisions in in recruiting where they may not even understand like what is this team really like that I'm about to walk into and also for coaches to have the time to say like what's what's this human really like that I'm a, a, about to invest you know potentially hundreds of thousands of dollars into mm -hmm. to bring them into my team like is there a good fit there or are they gonna in a year from now realize like oh this is definitely not what I expected and you know you can see that happening a lot with 
um, transfers, but I, I do think that is some of the cost of just the pressure to want to win and, and to just look at the stats and, you know, that stuff is important, but we can really like take away from the energy and the, the power of building a culture where everybody's all in and people are just moving in that same direction when we don't have the time to slow down and, and really think about like, is this a good fit both ways? Right. That's true. Well, so I guess, so I know obviously we have some people that we know in common and like you've helped the, I'm not going to say their names, but you've helped them. I know work on their confidence a lot. Um, well, I guess what does like confidence mean to you? Like, like what is your definition of confidence? Yeah. So, you know, I think that I've thought about this a lot, but I think sometimes in sport culture and in society, we look at confidence just as this external thing and the ability to push through things at all costs. And Mm -hmm. I actually think true confidence is to be able to slow down and to listen to yourself and to trust yourself and to trust what is right for you. And Mm -hmm. sometimes that doesn't always mean just pushing through everything. It's kind of what Mm -hmm. we were talking about before we started recording. you deciding that, you know, it doesn't feel right for me right after graduating to go back into swimming. And I'm going to trust that right now, maybe I need some space to explore and then trusting when it is right. Like you get that intuitive hit. And I, I think real confidence is actually the ability to listen to ourselves and to not just you know, take everybody else's advice, like Mm -hmm. only do what everybody else is saying. And so often, you know, the culture is just like, this is the step, this is the direct journey, this is Mm -hmm. exactly what it should look like. And, you know, sometimes it's just, that's not how life actually works. Um, And I think it's, you know, my definition also comes into like emotional safety, like being willing Mm -hmm. to to, to take a different direction and say like, no, actually that's not aligned for me. Like this is, Mm -hmm. these are my values. This is what I want to choose. And to be willing to give up some of the external validation for what other people think is right. And actually just choose what's right for you. Mm -hmm. That's definitely been a a big lesson that I've learned recently is Cause I've had a lot of people say like, Hey, why are you doing this? Like, why don't you just like find like a, a nice job, like nine to five and do like pretty much like what everyone else is doing. And for, I've had to say no, like, and tell people, this is not what I want to do. You know, the, I have a passion in swimming and like my podcast and, and I have like that entrepreneurial mindset and the nine to five thing, not that it's bad, but it's just not for me. And I, I've explained to even my parents, like, Hey, I know it's a lot riskier and I know you care about me, which is why you are asking me these questions and saying, are you sure? But like, I trust myself and this is what I want to do. <clears throat> so I'm going to go for it. Yeah. And it's realizing that we all have our unique journeys. And I think um, sometimes we, we end up listening to what our parents say too often. Mm-hmm. And 
um, people end up in places where they're unhappy because it's like, you know, you have a desire to, to create a podcast and to do something a little bit more entrepreneurial. And that may not be right for everybody, but it's like trusting your own journey that that's right for you. And I think what I see all the time is a lot of elite athletes who there's just like one recipe for success. And then we follow that. And then we get to a place where we're like, Oh, like I'm actually not happy because it's not actually what they really wanted. It's just what we've learned is like, follow this create success. And then like, you're happy forever. (laughs) It doesn't really, doesn't really end up working out that way. It's just a constant, I think evolution and, and journey and learning. Yeah, definitely agree with that. What's something that you like, I, I guess, how, how are you able to inspire confidence into others, would you say? So, I mean, we do, when I work with people, we are always working on the subconscious beliefs. So we have 60,000 thoughts per day on average. Mm-hmm. And because our brain is very, you know, it's it, the primitive brain is trying to keep us safe all the time. So 95% of our thoughts are unconscious, but 80% of those 60,000 are, are negative thoughts. So Mm. we're not even necessarily aware of this, but all the time we're trying to confirm externally, like the reasons why something won't work. (laughs) It's like, Oh, Mm. that can't possibly work for me. And so in my work, it's, it's really helping people understand who are you? Like, what do you actually desire? What do you actually want outside of that conditioning? And then working on, on the beliefs, like noticing when your brain's telling you like, Oh, that's not safe. Like don't start a podcast. That would be crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, You're going to have no money and die, or you're not going to be good (laughs) enough and no one's going to listen to you. It's like, we have, the brain has some very, like a, a few common similar fears that we all have. Um, so a lot of the work is creating that awareness, sitting in the discomfort of those emotions and then reprogramming, reprogramming Mm -hmm. in the way that we, how do we want to think and feel? How do we want to show up? Like being in full belief that what we want to create is possible. And, you know, everything is really about the energetic alignment. So, it's not so much like external confidence, what other people see. Cause I think a lot of people that seem externally confident actually are experiencing inner, like just tons of self-doubt. They don't really, they're not really feeling fulfilled by what they're doing. Um, so yeah, just helping people come back into like, oh, this is what I want. And then believing that it's possible and Mm -hmm. and stepping into the energy of that. And I think we are going to have doubts. Like we always have doubts, but being able to hold the energy and like the certainty that our dreams are actually possible and available to us. Um, and so, yeah, when we're in belief, it just, it feels good. Like we just get to keep going Mm -hmm. and kind of, it's like inspired action. It feels scary, but we're like playing on that edge of, of what's possible for us to create. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. That's really awesome. Do you do a lot of stuff with meditation, like to help, I guess, 
get yourself into like the right state of mind for stuff like that? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I try to meditate every morning. Um, I've gotten really into Joe Dispenza's work. I don't know. Oh, he's awesome. Yeah. I love him. Yeah. Um, so I, I will probably do a Joe Dispenza meditation every morning. And, you know, honestly, I wake up with a lot of spinning anxious thoughts every morning and, and mm. entrepreneurship is that it's like, so, cause there's so much uncertainty and unknown and, um, you know, those meditations are really like tapping into the, the energy mm-hmm. and the, of what you want and then taking action from that place. And then it's a lot of trust that it's, mm. it's going to work out. Um, and yeah, I do, you know, breath work when I, when I get really stuck, just kind of clearing emotions. Cause I think when we get stuck, it's like emotional stuckness. There's just like mm-hmm. so much anxiety. That's like our body is kind of frantically like, Oh my God, this isn't safe. And so we have to kind of clear some of that out or calm the mind down to mm-hmm. work through it. Yeah. What would you say if like, cause one thing that I struggle with is sometimes feeling my emotions. And I feel like maybe that could go back to like some child, like my childhood and everything. But I, and like, I mean, I do feel my emotions to an extent, but there's also a lot of times where I feel, and especially recently I've kind of been, I feel like struggling to feel my emotions. Like I've been pretty neutral, like pretty, I guess, stoic in general with everything. Like, I guess, how do you overcome those emotional blocks that I might be having? Yeah. Um, well, I, I do think it's like such a part of our athlete conditioning. And I think it's a commonality when I work with elite athletes, they have like the mindset where they're like, I can freaking do anything, Mm -hmm. but we haven't cultivated really that emotional safety. And that was me for a long time. So, you know, I think simply just starting with slowing it down when we are experiencing anxiety or just checking in a couple of times throughout the day. And, you know, always drop people into their body and like, what's it like to just allow that in and to remind yourself that you're safe in that. Um, and kind of thinking about like, what's the sensation? How does it move? Is it a constriction? Is it tightness in your neck, your chest, your, your stomach. And I think the more, the more that we can create just safety in that sensation, it's actually telling the primitive brain, like, it's okay to feel this Mm. because the brain, the emotions are connected to a belief. So if we're feeling like a ton of anxiety and it's like, you know, just money is something I coach people on often because it's so much rooted to our survival. So like, if you look at your bank account and you're feeling really anxious around that, it's like sitting in the anxiety and your your brain's kind of running on this belief system of like, I'm going to run out of money. I'm going to die. Oh my gosh. And it's like just sitting with it and allowing it to be there and reminding yourself that you are safe. Like, that's kind of the first step. And the more that you practice that, it's like the brain will stop having such extreme reactions mm-hmm. because it's like, oh, wait, we've done this before. We understand like we're not actually going to die. Like money coming out of the bank account doesn't mean like I'm going to be homeless on the street tomorrow, which 
My brain loves to tell me that. Uh, <laughs> and like even being in, in rooms of people that are making millions of dollars, by the way, like they all have these fears too. So it it's mm-hmm. like, it never actually goes away. It's just kind of the the lies that our brain tells us and it's kind of retraining our, our nervous system to hold that and to feel safe in that. Um, yeah, so that's the first step. And then like, what do we want to think and feel about it instead? And like, what's the energy? What would it feel like to feel like I'm totally safe with my money or I'm safe within myself and trusting myself. So yeah, I think just like more, more moments to check in. And, um, I also always say like, know what your self-sabotaging habits are because Mm -hmm. when I'm doing, you know, all the things like distracting myself with my phone or overeating a lot, or, um, just doing things that are unproductive, that usually means that I'm not sitting with some emotion. So Mm -hmm. that can also be a way to check in. Mm. That's really interesting. So I know uh, whenever I feel certain emotions, like I have actually, uh, Ali told me this is to, she said something similar to you is like, be aware of like where you're in your body, like you feel the certain emotions. And I know when I feel frustrated, I, I feel it kind of like in my chest. But then I had a moment like last week where I don't cry very often, but I had a moment where it's like, I want to cry, but like, I, I don't know, I've, I've um, trouble like, I guess, getting the tears out if that makes sense. And whenever I felt that I could feel it kind of like in my throat, like it, I was like being blocked from uh, letting that emotion out in my throat. I don't know if that's like a weird spot to feel it. But I I don't know, I I guess just like, how how do, how can I release that, I guess, tension from there or whatever the case is? Yeah, I think it's reminding, like when you do feel it, just continuing to remind yourself that you are safe. Um, Mm -hmm. I actually work with a couple male clients as well. And I think that there's just so much conditioning that, you know, women have, but I think men have too. Like, what does it mean if a guy is crying or Mm -hmm. even anger sometimes I think. So anger is, is another, it's kind of like a compensatory emotion. I think that um we can experience anger when there's usually like some sort of grief or sadness or loneliness happening underneath and you know i think it can be like first allowing ourselves to feel the anger or the frustration and really like whatever you have to do to move that like sometimes it's you know screaming into a pillow um i just really like breath work i don't know if mm. you done breath work before but it's Mm -hmm. a great way just to get things moving and then really just sitting in in stillness afterwards and you know not being distracted which (laughs) really hard in today's world um Mm -hmm. but yeah just like allowing whatever comes up to come up and reminding yourself that that is safe um And I think um, sometimes what I'll do with clients is like, look at a specific emotion. So if it is sadness, like, what are all your thoughts and beliefs about sadness? Like, Mm. 
being being a man like what does it mean if you're sad because sometimes those beliefs are actually can be blocking you from just allowing the sadness if it's like oh I'm weak or you know all the Mm. derogatory things that people have said if men are crying it's like you're soft or you're this or that and it's like that can just that alone can block men from being able to feel Mm -hmm. I'm gonna have to do some journaling on that for sure (laughs) because that yeah that there definitely has to be some kind of I guess belief that I'm telling myself that or maybe that I was told that I've just held on to about myself so I'll need to reflect for sure on what that is and and see if I can figure it out I'll let you know if I figure it out (laughs) yeah and sometimes it's just like I think a lot of people have the fear if I feel this emotion it'll be like I'll be stuck in it forever Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, emotions are really like tunnels. So just to get the relief on the other side, we have to figure out how to go through, but most of the time we're just like suppressing them in the body, mm-hmm. which creates all sorts of dysregulation and usually more anxiety. Mm-hmm. Definitely. What, what about using emotions like for performance? Like how can you use different emotions to, I guess, like boost your performance, basically, like in the pool or, or like in whatever sport or even in business? Yeah, I mean, I love this question. It's been something that I'm just tapping into more and more. But I think everything we want is motivated by emotions. And Mm -hmm. when we think about like, so Joe Dispenza's work is really about cultivating the emotion of what we want before we create the thing we want and we've really learned the opposite way it's like work really hard suffer to create the thing you want Mm -hmm. um just put your head down and grind and i think you know we still have to work hard but we when we learn to embody the emotion of the end result along the process it's like things can just happen so much more easily. Um, and we can enjoy the process a lot more. So it would be like thinking about whatever goal you have in the pool, um, what you would feel if you reach that goal. And then I always talk about creating like an energetic vision for that. How would you move? How would you carry yourself? How would you talk to yourself? Um, how would you show up every single day? and learning it's like rewiring your brain and your patterns to be that person right now mm-hmm. every time because then when you get there it's like your body's already mentally rehearsed that like you actually already are that person so now you just gotta show up and and do the thing um so yeah just really like thinking about the emotions of our goals um And yeah, that was kind of like, I just, I had the craziest month so far in my business and, um, you know, my coach challenged us to make 25 K in 30 days. And I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna stop telling myself it's not possible. And I'm going to think about like, who do I need to be? How do I need to show up? And every time I like had the fear and the resistance, it's like processing through it, but I just kept mm-hmm. holding the energy and the emotion of the 25 K and 
I did it in 20 days. It was like, that's amazing. It was, it was wild. Like clients <laughs> coming, they're like, Hey, can I work with you? And I'm like, this is literally <laughs> like being in the energy of what you want to create. And it, I did work really hard for that, but it was like, I was having so much fun in the process and I was just like really in that powerful energy. So yeah, it's definitely a different way of, of doing things, but Mm -hmm. that's super awesome congrats by the way on that that's that's fantastic thank you that reminds me of mike tyson i i don't know if you know much about mike tyson but i'm a really bit he's one of my it's gonna sound weird but he's like one of the people i look up to the most which it sounds weird because most people know him like oh yeah he just bit some guys here like he's crazy but he's actually super super wise like i, I listen to a lot of his podcasts and he has a lot of wisdom and one thing that he talks about like when he was training was his trainer used to always tell him um you have to be the champ before you become the champ so like exactly what you're saying before is like what are all the habits that the champion or like whatever like goal you're trying to achieve what is everything that they do and like be that person and most likely if you continue to, to do everything that they do you're going to get those results and, and you will become that person yeah it's I'm looking at my uh where it is my board behind me um it says take tap into inevitability first and then take action mm. that's really what it is it's like tapping into being the person that has the result first and then show up from that place mm -hmm. um and you know we a lot of times we do it the opposite way it's like well I'll just mm -hmm. like try to do this thing and to try to get there um but yeah i mean the universe is energy like it responds to your energy it doesn't care about your goals it cares about who mm -hmm. you're being and so if you're just working on being that person then your your goals and your success become inevitable mm -hmm. there's a guy i had on my podcast probably like two months ago or so and he said something that really reminds me of what you're saying now. And, and I, I kind of tried to reframe a little bit of how I set my goals based on this. And he said that he no longer sets goals in order to achieve something. He sets goals in order to become something. Because when, when you achieve something, like if you set a goal to achieve something, like it might, it might feel good in the moment, but you're not going to feel fulfilled versus if you set, it could be, I mean, even if it is the same goal, but you set that goal because you want to become that type of person it's going to feel a lot more fulfilling and you're going to be a lot more, you, I feel like it's going to be, you're going to love yourself more pretty much. And you're going to appreciate it a lot more than if you just set the goal, just to, just to have the goal. Like I want a thousand or $10,000 a month, just to have $10,000 a month, not because of who I become in the process. Yeah, totally. It's uh, it just makes it so much more fun. It's like, let's see what's possible. Um, you know, my, my coach is currently, so she, she makes $12 million a year. She's scaling oh, wow. $30 million <laughs> a year. And her coach has a $50 million a year life coaching business oh, wow. and she's scaling to a hundred million. And Dang. I think people get really upset. They're like, why are you talking about money all the time? Like, when's it ever going to be enough money? And she's like, <laughs> it was enough money a long time ago. Like it's really not about the money. Like it's just about learning how to become a different person to like expand mm -hmm. 
expand yourself a million times. And, you know, my coach was like, you guys are going to watch me fail and fall flat on my face a million times. I will pick myself up. I will lick my wounds and then I'll be back at it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like so fun. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's all part of the process. Like you, you can't win if you don't fail. Like that's how you learn. That's how you get better. Yeah. Well, I guess kind of switching gears a little bit back to swimming, like what, as a high level swim coach, like what were some of the biggest lessons that you've learned coaching some really great athletes and just being a coach in general? Yeah. Um, you know, I think that I, I definitely learned at the highest level that, you know, success isn't everything. I think that I've seen people at the top level that perform and are very grounded in themselves and feel really good in who they are. Um, But I I also have seen the opposite where it's like all of that self-worth is coming from performance. And that's just something that has given me the insight that I have and kind of what we're talking about. Like, I think that success can be really empty when it's not, when it's, you're not connected to yourself, you're not connected with why you're doing it. Um, Mm -hmm. And I've seen it both ways. Like I've seen athletes that are really using it to grow and expand themselves. And then I've also seen it where athletes are using it to, to feel validated, to feel okay with themselves. And I think, um, you know, there's a lot more frustration that happens in the journey when you're, you're doing it for validation, um, externally versus like, I'm doing it because, I love the sport and I'm, I'm here for the challenges. Um, and I think that it's easy for coaches to go one of those two ways as well. And, you know, sometimes it's like when the the stress is high and the, the pressure's on, it really can create environments where there is a lot of fear happening. It's not like, this isn't like fun to come to practice every day. Yeah. Um, and so I've, I've seen all of that. And, you know, I think there were times where we were able to shift it or it's like, you're having a great workout. Everyone's lit up and inspired and you're creating that energy. But then there's also times where there's like so much pressure to try to win. And then it's like, we're more motivating through fear and putting mm-hmm. pressure on people and then you can see how that translates to to the athletes and their performance so yeah it's just really it's really interesting and it's kind of um I've been able to combine some of that insight with my background and and what I'm Mm -hmm. doing now yeah I definitely can see how those align with what you're doing now and and your coaching career before and swimming and what, what what were some of the things that you noticed like internally that majority of swimmers um, that you coached like what was holding them back from reaching their highest potential? I think it is like the 
you know, pressure, I think is a big one. And Mm -hmm. when, when you're making your self-worth attached to a performance, there's almost no way to not put extreme levels of pressure on yourself. And it's kind of like, it, it creates a dynamic where you're not willing to fail. Actually, it's like a lot of perfectionism that happens. It's kind of like, well, I'm either winning or like, there's nothing in between. Mm -hmm. And I think when you're able, when you're really willing to fail, you're like, I'm going to put it all out there, but I'm also like, okay with failure because I know I'll have my own back. Like I'll be okay. Mm -hmm. Um, then I think the way that you respond to challenges becomes different. And you're just like, it's like being on that edge, right? You're, you're willing to put yourself on the edge. You're willing to Mm -hmm. just like go all in. Um, and it's, it's lighter, it's freer. It's not, oh my God, I have to do this. Otherwise I'm not going to be good enough. Everyone's going to judge me. I'm going to let my coaches down all of that. Um, so I would say that's probably the biggest thing that can hold people back. Um, and you can also see it, you know, I definitely saw the shift in people that where they were started as like the underdog and Mm -hmm. then, you know, then they end up doing something big, reaching a big level of success, getting a a medal or, or making a world team. And all of a sudden it's like, what got them there? Just like, oh my gosh, let's see what's possible. I could potentially make a world championship team. And then like you get there and then it's all of a sudden like taking all that pressure. And, you know, I think a lot about the energy behind it, but now you're in that heaviness, the energy of, of pressure. And then you could do all the same training, but Mm -hmm. it's not going to turn out the same because just the way that you're having that experience, the way you're creating it, the way you feel as you're doing it, it's like not the same, the same energy. And I think you create success that way, but I think you also end up burning yourself out or you end up Mm -hmm. overtrained because, um, yeah, you're just, it's like the total grind mentality, like not actually, listening to what you need or your body. It's like a lot of motivation through fear, which is, you know, at the, at the root is like our own insecurity. Like I need this result Mm -hmm. to prove my enoughness versus like, I'm enough no matter what. And let's just, let's just freaking go for it. Yeah, definitely. What about for yourself as a coach? Like what, what are some of like the, the biggest breakthroughs that you've had? Um, I think that, you know, my journey as a coach was definitely interesting and in the different environments that I was in, especially being a a woman and coaching, I think that, you know, we're talking about emotions and energy. And Mm -hmm. I think I always had this really strong intuition. Um, like I could read athletes, I could understand what they needed or where they were at and where they were emotionally. Um, And I think when I was in division three, like that was very 
my boss was very supportive of that. Like he kind of just encouraged me to, to be who I was. And like, he always wanted to bring my ideas to the table and we kind of worked really well with that. But I think, um, I definitely struggled in my, my other two coaching experiences, um, in, in some ways, because it was like my perspective of coaching was very different Mm -hmm. (laughs) than than how other coaches specifically men were leading. Um, and it's just like, I think a result of conditioning and, and how we're told we have to create success. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, my background, sorry, there's, no, you're good. Um, yeah, my background, I was coming from division three and like really had this holistic perspective of the whole person. And I think as I went up higher levels, it was just, you know, the winning was the most important thing. And so my learning through that was to, to not suppress myself. And I think a lot of times I did that because I was told to, you know, that's, that's not right. That's not how we do things at this level. Um, and so I think sometimes I was trying to do that, like in the back door to like support my athletes, because I felt like they actually needed that emotional support. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't always feel supported. And I, I doubted myself a lot. Um, I really was like, I don't know if I belong here, if I fit in here. And so that was really hard. Um, and I think my first year in my own business, that was something I had to process through and come back to. And I think that's why things have started to really explode for me because I'm just like, this is who I am. Like, this is, these are my gifts. Like my intuition is my gift. Like I know how to activate people and support them emotionally. And, um, yeah, it's like, I have the space to do that now. Um, but I don't think I would have understood that contrast so much if I hadn't had the experiences and, you know, I just got feedback, like you have no idea how to manage egos. You don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) And, um, I get that my perspective is very different and it can be triggering to people that hurt uncomfortable with the emotional piece or intuition so um, yeah it reminds me a lot of a quote from one of my mentors that I coach uh, the coaching with Tim Grover I don't know if you're familiar with him he was the old coach of uh, like weightlifting coach of Michael Jordan Kobe Bryant and he he has two books um, called Relentless and then the other one's called Winning but one thing that he always says is before you can have what you want you must first be who you truly are and that sounds like exactly what you did is you really tapped into who you are. And that's when you started having the most success in your life. Yeah, I think, I think it's what a lot of people go through. And, you know, some of the women that I support now when and they're coaching and they experience similar things, um, it's like confusion. Like we forget who we are yeah. and it is that it's like the, the wanting the external validation we want to fit in or, um, can experience just a lot of resistance by being who you are and that not Mm -hmm. being safe. So, um, yeah, it's just so important. And Mm -hmm. I think that's, it's the root of 
fulfillment for everybody is like really tapping into who you are and letting that be okay even if not everybody's mm -hmm. gonna agree with it right i know one thing also that he says is like it, when, when, once we're born like and as a kid especially we're always taught like how to be like someone's always telling you like no don't do this don't do that act this way be be this kind of way and whether it's like your friends your parents whatever and then that's kind of how we lose identity of who we are and then as you become adults and like get older and more like mature and, and aware that's when we have to kind of rediscover like who are we actually like like who is andrew who is nikki like who like what do i love what are my values and all that kind of stuff and and then that's like what we were saying before is when you can tap into pretty much your highest potential. Yeah, it's like the willing to willingness to have people see who you are and project you and still mm -hmm. like have your own back and know it's okay. Exactly. So uh, I, I don't know if Gabby told you about this, but I have some speed questions that I ask at the end of every podcast. <laughs> I did not know, but <laughs> okay, no, 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 they're fine. Uh, I don't, I don't like usually give any warning because I just want to be off the top of the head. They're not like they don't have to be fast, but I just call them speed questions. <laughs> but first one is, what is the best piece of advice that you've been given that's impacted you the most? Mm. The first thing that comes up to mind was something that my coach always told us, which is you can either live your life as a challenge or you can live your life under a threat and so mm. it's like the perspective that you choose yeah that's true yeah it's kind of um it's a pretty much like the same thing as fear like you 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 can feel fear or you can use it to kind of empower you yeah so you you can either hide from it or you can run towards it yeah totally I like that. different energy behind it right and then what is your favorite quote and why? Oh, my favorite quote. Um, <laughs> so a quote that I use a lot is um, in, in between stimulus and response, there is space. And mm. in that space lies our, our freedom and our growth. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm botching the quote, but. No, I, I get what you mean. I like that. That's a quote by Viktor Frankl, and he wrote a book called Man's Search for Meaning, and he was a, a psychiatrist in the Holocaust, and he oh, wow. wrote about how there were a lot of Holocaust survivors who actually had a really meaningful experience, and they were able to feel fulfilled even in, you know, the worst of circumstances, and there were people that weren't able to transcend that but i just think it's so powerful um because it's like our circumstances don't define us we get to define ourselves we get to you know decide how we want to think and feel about the things that happen to us and you know it's been a lot of like my work too is shifting from it can, there can be a lot of like victim mentality, which is a lot easier to say, like, why is all of this happening to me versus mm -hmm. seeing it as how is this happening for me? Um, and just making that shift. So, yeah. That's awesome. I love that. You kind of uh, tapped into the next question a little bit, but um, what is a book that you recommend everyone should read? 
Um, well, that man's search for meaning is a good one. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think if you're interested in some of the work and some of the stuff that I've been talking about, um, the book Becoming Supernatural by Joe Dispenza, it's really- I got to read that. Goes into the energy and um, just crazy stuff that we we can't see it. So it's hard for us to believe it, but um, mm -hmm. it will go into like some of the science behind it. Mm -hmm. Doesn't he have a few books? Like, doesn't he have one called like You're the Placebo or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. That one's crazy too. I'll, mm. Like people that, you know, get misdiagnosed with a cancer and then they actually start creating cancer in their body and they, oh. and, you know, they get to a place and they go back to the doctor and they're like, you didn't actually have cancer, but they've been walking around like they're going to die. Mm. And how oh, it's just so interesting like it it mm. just really shows that our thoughts and feelings are creating our reality all of the time yeah that's so it's so crazy like it, it's so interesting and fascinating how the mind works in relation to the body like if you feel like you're gonna get sick or you are sick then even if you're not sick like you can get sick you by your mind like it's so weird how that works it's crazy yeah it, it it's like you want to talk about COVID and, and people being sick, right? Yeah, literally. Like how much fear we had, like how much that can contribute to people being sick. Mm -hmm. um, because yeah, when you believe like you're going to get sick and you constantly walk around with the fear, it's like the body starts to create that. And the same, mm -hmm. if you believe you're healthy, um, you know, and you start walking around as a healthy person, then you create that. And, and Joe Dispenza has like week long retreats where he does meditations and he'll take people that have been in wheelchairs for years, have, you know, muscular dystrophy or ALS, and they've had all these beliefs for so many years. And mm -hmm. like after a week or after a meditation and helping them reprogram their subconscious into believing that they're healthy, like people literally get up out of their wheelchair and walk onto stage. <laughs> That's like, insane. No one believes it, but it actually happens. So. No, I believe it because one of my my old manager, he's he's a really good friend of mine. Um, but his mom, I, I lived with them for a month, or no, actually a whole summer, a couple of years ago, and she's been to several of his week long meditations, and she said like crazy things happen there. She she said it's so life changing. Yeah. It really makes you think differently about things. Definitely. <clears throat> and then uh, where can people find you if they want to connect or if they want to work with you? Um, on Instagram is the best way. So it's just Nikki Cat Coaching. Awesome. And then I'll, I'll uh, put that in the description so people can click on it and find you a little bit easier. But um, yeah, Nikki, thanks again for hopping on. Is there anything else that you want to say before we go or no, any advice or anything? Thanks for having me and um, yeah, great questions and just a fun conversation. So thank you and best of mm -hmm. luck to you. Thank you. I appreciate it. And do you have a little bit of time after to, to talk a little bit more? Yeah. Okay, cool.